0: Great, <laughs> look at you. You've got all these nodes, all manner of bullshit about <laughs> me. all manner of lies taken off the internet about you. Well, I'm sure there are enough of them. My I god, look forward to you puncturing some myths. Yes, there are a
1: lot of them. There are Imagine. a lot of very strange things that you think, well, if you clear it up 900,000 times,
0: yeah, it continues to pop up. I think it's the 900,000 and first that's the Yes, trick.
1: yes. And then you can't get annoyed. Yeah. Because it's just like, well, fuck.
0: Yeah. Ooh, sorry. Oh, no, fuck He's fine. Okay. It's all good. I think podcasts are much more interesting. if They're scattered with profanity.
1: <laughs> well, it's more fun. Get a really good, you know, bastard. If you it's nicely placed. It. Yeah. Yeah. You know, most people don't know how to do it, though. No. No. They just... Spew. Yeah. I think when you're really talking with, you know, colorful language, as they like to call it, I think it's really important that you, like, have a good time with it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, syncopate it.
1: Well, yeah. You know, think of the words that people use all the time, words like stupid. Like, that's not a word that has any uh, flexibility. Yeah. You know, you can't say stupid with a smile. Yeah. You know it's really hard but you can. Say fuck with a smile.
0: <laughs> David Tennant does a podcast with Whoopi Goldberg. Whoopi, thank you for being here. <laughs> My pleasure. My pleasure. <laughs> so delighted. Um so if there was some fantasy dinner party that you went to where by some miracle somebody didn't know who you were. How do you currently describe yourself? What do you say your job is these days? Oh,
1: it's pretty basic. I just say, you know, sometimes I make movies, sometimes I'm on TV. I just do a lot of different stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not one thing that I do. No. So I have been a baby maker. Uh You know, I've been many things. Ex-wife, wife.
0: How often do you meet someone who doesn't know who you are?
1: Not very often. No. Not very often. But, you know, um, as long as there are little kids on Sesame Street, kids will know me. You sure. know what I mean? So yeah. As long as they have access to that or, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Of course. You know, I'm there too. So I'm kind of like a, a fart in a dust storm. I'm just, I'm kind of in the zeitgeist.
0: Ubiquitous.
1: I am semi
0: ubiquitous. Yeah. Yes. That's for a long time now, for like, more than half of your life. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Probably. Do you get used to that, do you think? Do you, do you get au fait with just being, you know, you who you are goes before you everywhere you go?
1: Well, you know, when I leave the house, when I leave my house, I know I'm going outside as Whoopi Goldberg. Right, yeah. Because people, that's what they say. Yeah. When I'm home, I'm like, you know... Just Farty McFartson. <laughs> you, know? you know, I'm dropping stuff. I'm, you know, feeding my cat. I'm sitting around. I'm scratching my, my behind. Yeah. But I know that when I go out, I have to try to present for folks that thing they hope that I am. Mm. You have to be careful. I, I once, when my daughter was little, she really loved this one actor. And we were in some store in L.A., and he was in there. Right. And uh, she was like, oh, my, I want to go up and I want to say hello. I said, okay, that's really good. Because she was, you know, she was sweating. She was verklempt because this was a big deal for her. And she prepped herself up, and she got herself together, and and then she went over, and then she was back really fast. And I said, what's the matter? She said, I I just, let's go. And I was like, what's the matter? And she said, well, it just... I don't think he was happy that I came over. And so years go by. Mm. And I don't run into the guy, but I run into him at this particular event that I'm at. And he says, "Can I ask you a question?" I was like, "Yeah." He said, "I know this is going to sound crazy, but do you have a daughter?" I said, "Yeah." And he said, "I think your daughter may have come up to me years ago, and I was in a very I was having a hard day." <sighs> And I, I, I might have snapped at her and I was never sure and we've never run into each other for me to be able to say I was having a, a rough day and I, I'm sorry. So he said, does that sound familiar? I said, it sounds very familiar. And do you have a minute? He said, yeah. So I went and we called my kid. Oh. And it was a great thing for me to remember that when people come up, it it takes them a long time to come up and say something nice Mm. to you because they want to let you know that they see you and they enjoy you and to try to, you know, even on the really rough days, try to be, you know, try to be pleasant.
0: Yeah. Have you ever had days when you've not been able to do that and you spend the rest of the day regretting it or...? I think probably but what I do
1: have is I I have this thing which which allows me to say if someone says can I take a picture of you and I'm just not in that mode I say let's not do a picture but let me say hello what's right. your name right. you know let me talk to you cuz some days I just feel like doo-doo.
0: Right. and
1: people get it And they're like no I totally get it I was like that yesterday it was like great yeah. hi yeah. you know so you learn you know to try to Fend your way around, you yeah. know, and, and these are meaningful things to people, as they were to me. Sure. You know, so you have to remember your own experience. Did you have that as people. a kid? Do you
0: remember with a kid as a kid going up to someone in the street somewhere? And...
1: Yeah, and they were great. Who was that? I think, I want to say it was James Earl Jones. Oh, wow. You know, because yeah. I think I'd just seen uh, The Great White Hope,
0: uh-huh.
1: and his performance was mind-boggling. Yeah. Because, you know, he was larger than life. Yeah. And that voice and just the play itself. And I remember seeing him and thinking, oh, I want to go tell him. I just thought, oh my God, should I go? Oh, yes, I'm going to go. And I was like, hello, I just want to say, I really enjoyed the performance. It was really great. I just want to tell you. And he was like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it was just That's like, that. wow. It's like bathing in honey. Yeah. You know? And, and, those moments, if you can keep them in your head, you know for me anyway, I try to keep them in my head because I don't want to forget what that's like, yeah, you know, I did it to you. I was like crazy when I met you, and it was <laughs> just were, like I was I was shy. like, oh my God, you're the, girl. oh my God, <laughs> you know, because it was like when you're I think when you're a fan you want to tell people but sometimes you, your mind is going so if you want to say so much in the one scintilla of a second that you have to say it yeah. that you end up sort of tripping over your lips and you're just I love you thank <laughs> you yeah <know?" laughs> so you know I, I know how i get so i try to i try to be mindful of it
0: yeah so you've been on the view now for 12 years that's a lot 11 of- years 11 years yeah. okay yeah that's a lot of talking Yeah. (laughs) Do you ever feel the pressure of having to have an opinion on everything? No. You you don't? No. So there's there's nothing, you don't get a topic come up and you're going, I don't care either way. Yeah. Oh, that happens a lot. And you just say it? Yeah. Okay.
1: I say, you know, and I think people should know that because I'm sure as people who are watching feel the same way. They're like, I don't care about this. Right. And I'm like, me either. Right. (laughs) This is not, I don't care, but. You guys want to talk about it, so we're talking about it.
0: So you just you just you just turn up in the show and you you just present yourself and that's what we Yeah, get. this is it. You don't spend hours deciding what you think about this or no. researching it or No, no. It's about the spontaneity of it.
1: Well, it's also an opinion show. You yeah. Know, so it's not you know, it's not my analysis, it's what do you think of this? It's yeah. like, I don't know if I like it, or I do like it, or yeah. I didn't like it, or I I, I want to like it, but I can't like it. You know, it's just, for me, it's very simple.
0: Right. What do you think? This is what I think. Do you get nervous about Because there's the whole trial by social media that happens now, more than it did, I guess, even when you started that oh,
1: show. Oh, there was no social media sure. when I started that show.
0: So, but, you know, I
1: don't pay attention to social media. Right. You know, because everybody has an opinion. Of course. And none of them know me, so I don't care. Right. And I know that's
0: terrible. But have you learned that by, at one point, caring? Or have you always been very no, good at just um, disregarding?
1: Well, I, what I learned from critics mm. is that, you know, they would write stuff about, you know, your performance and blah, blah, blah. And then add some stuff. It's like, you don't know me. You don't know if I feel like this. You have no idea what I think. Yeah. You you saw the movie or you saw the play that day. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was a bad performance. I don't know. But I can't take your not liking me to heart because you don't know me. Yeah. Now if somebody I know says to me, geez, you know, I didn't I didn't really like that. Then I might I might listen. Uh-huh. But they're not going to tell the world before they tell me. Yeah. So I don't fight on social media. I don't really I mean people are entitled to their opinion, but I don't really think it it matters for me. You know, it's, just, it's not that important for me. So you're quite happy to
0: have an unpopular opinion You're because you don't feel...
1: Well, because it's my opinion. Sure. You know, and, and I don't ask anybody else to share it. Yeah. They pay me to tell you what I think. Right. <laughs> so yeah. you don't have to like it. They're not paying you to like it. Yeah. You know, you can turn the show off. You have any number of options. Yeah. So you screaming at me on the street or, you know, trying to... Scream at me on social media is, is pointless because I don't care
0: right <laughs>
1: <laughs> just, I don't care you know and and that's not a you know that's not a rude thing it's just like there are people whose opinions I cherish sure. and I do care about, and to me to put them in a in a slot of millions of people who you know may or may not have heard what you said or may or may not have. Seeing what you said is, you know. So, every, but everybody knows I'm like this. <laughs> right.
0: Do you feel like the, the, the temperature of debate has got hotter, though, in the time you've been doing this show?
1: It depends on what you're talking about. Uh, sure. You know? Yeah. you know, people get really crazed uh, when you go against their belief system or yeah. you challenge what they believe. Um, discourse has gotten a little trickier. Yeah.
0: You know? I think that's maybe what I mean. Yes, yeah. it's harder to have a reasoned debate anymore.
1: Well, it isn't if one of you makes the decision not to be the bonehead. Right. You know, not yeah. to be the bonehead. You can be passionate without being personal. Yeah. Yeah. So if I, if you and I disagree about something, I can't then say, and I don't like your beard.
0: Sure. You know, it's like. I, you do like my beard. Though, right? I do. I love Thank your you beard. You know, you.
1: It goes well with the rest of your face. Thank you. you know, Thank you. Not everybody's beard does. <laughs> Some people have beards and you go, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you doing that to your face? But there it is. That's an opinion yeah. that, you know, I should keep to myself. Sure. Yeah. Because you know,
0: I'm not growing anything thing that I can feel. (laughs) So tell me about growing up in New York. You grew up... In Chelsea. Right. Yeah.
1: It was pretty great. I mean, you never knew, in wintertime especially, you never knew who was poor. You never knew who was poor or who was rich because everybody's bundled up. And in the summertime you can't tell because people are in flip-flops and in shorts and stuff. Yeah. So you just never knew. And so you go to Central Park and have no idea... Who you're sitting next to. Right. And that, for me, was a great thing. Uh I realize it now as a grown-up, what a great existence this was and access to, you know, in the old days. In the olden days when I was a younger woman, you know, museums were free. So you could go into the planetarium, you could go into the natural history museum, you could go uptown and and go to the Schomburg. You had, you know, St. Patrick's Cathedral. You had all of these amazing places that you had access to, and then of course Lady Liberty and, mm. you know. So growing up here in the um, in the '60s and '70s was great. Mm. You know, really fun, and you know Central Park played a a large uh, part in life because in the summertime you'd go to Bethesda Fountain and people were playing congas and dancing and wearing tie-dye stuff and, you know, smoking and just having a good time, you know. People actually believed they could change the world and actually tried.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what was of kid were you? Were you an extrovert kid? Were you a... No, I was kind of quiet. Really? Yeah. You a, were you a funny kid? I didn't
1: think so. My brother was my brother was funny. My mother was funny, and my brother was funny. Okay, so, and her cousin. So these these two women would speak in all kinds of dialects, right? And just you know, talk about what was happening in the world, and they'd. It was just great. And then my brother would say something, and then we'd all fall on the floor. Really? So yeah. So I didn't. Um, I never. Felt that I was funny, per se, but I knew that I could be different personas. Oh, yeah. So it was very clear to them that there was an actor here. Okay. You know, and so we would watch, the, you know, the Academy Awards and I'd make my speech every right. year. <laughs> and we would. my mother would take me to the movies. And so, you know, you'd go see Viva Las Vegas with, you know, um, Elvis Presley and then In the Heat of the Night, you know.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so everything that I was exposed to Made me understand what I thought my path would be, not to be famous, but just to be an actor. And uh, then I moved to California because I'd never been to California. I'd seen it on television. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Quite young, you went there, right? Uh,
1: 21. Okay. Yeah. 21, 22. Um, and really sort of honed a lot of my chops working for different people, you know, the, uh, the San Diego rep. Okay. I got uh got to play with them for a long time and did lots of different stuff with them and then worked with a a guy who was also very interesting and did sort of characters and weird little voices and I'd have my character so we were, you know, a team. So right. we did that and then I ended up moving to San Francisco because it just seemed I could live a little bit better right up there and my daughter and I went and and uh was there for many years and then got an invitation to come back to New York and do a a monologist run. Uh, I think it's four or five people were they had gone to. And uh, they paid for me to come back and so I got to be with my mom and hang out with her. And the first couple of days (laughs) that I was performing, of course, nobody came because, you know, you just, who are you? Right. And then... uh, Mel Gussow, who was a, a reviewer with the New York Times, happened to see the show. And is this the Spook Show now? This is a variation on
0: the okay. Spook Show, yeah. And these are characters you've that I wrote and put together. Because... How did you How did you do that? Did you just sit down and write them, or were you improvising with yourself? Or all of you...
1: all of the above. Okay. And it was basically just to get jobs to right.
0: show that I could do lots of different things.
1: I um, mean, you're doing that because you're not getting a part in. Well, I'm doing it because whatever, I'm so having a lot of fun with the group of people I'm working with in okay. San Francisco called the Blake Street Hawkeyes. Right. Um, and so we were improvising shows and doing sound poems and talking a lot about, you know, Arto and doing all of this sort of right. heady stuff. And so uh, writing with a guy I was living with and doing different different things and having all of these adventures and saying, like, whose voice would I want to explain going to Amsterdam and walking into the um, Anne Frank house? Right. Who's the last person I see. you're going to hear this from? I see. Because to me, it's the last person in the world that, that you would expect to hear anything from. That's the person you're going to listen when they're telling you something you may not be aware
0: of. And then, uh, right, saying Mike Nicholson mm-hmm. goes mm-hmm. and says, we're taking this to Broadway. He says
1: he comes backstage because that's when I, you know, when people read this review that I got. Right. Suddenly there were sold that you couldn't get a seat. Right. Okay. So, you know, Friday, Saturday, it's like dismal. Right. Sunday, the review comes out. Tuesday, Wednesday, It's you can't get a ticket. Wow. So that changed your life? That changed, yeah. That changed my life. Right. And then, um, so Mike comes and he sees the show. And Did you know him before that? Or, no, we hadn't uh, met. Okay. You know, and. Uh, and he just turns up and goes, I'm Mike Nichols. And- no, actually my mom said, I think Mike Nichols was in the audience. And I was like, oh my God. Because I loved, you know, I love The Graduate. I love sure, all the yeah. stuff. And he, was, he had a lot of stuff on Broadway that year. Right. So he comes backstage, and he's crying. In my head, I'm thinking, did I do something? Was it that bad? (laughs) That was that bad? And he explains to me that he, as a little kid, was on the last boat out of Nazi Germany. Oh, right. Yeah. So my talking about Anne Frank moved him. And he also loved uh, monologues and monologists, Uh and so... He said, I would like to do this on Broadway. Would you be up for it? And I said, Oh, sure, sure. I thought he was kidding. <laughs> I thought he was kidding. And so we finished doing the run, and I'm back in Berkeley, and the phone rings. And he says, Ms. Goldberg. And I, yeah. I said, It's Mr. Nichols. I was like, Hey, what's up? Hey. What's going on? He's like, Do you remember we talked about coming to Broadway to do your show? I was like, yeah. He said, I found a theater. I was like, oh, you're serious? Oh, sure, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And I said, are you sure? Because I, I could really suck at all of this. He said, have you sucked before? I said, yes. He said, well, then you may suck again, but I would like the, us to do this on Broadway. And so we came up with some dates and I went, came back to New York. And it was a whole other, you know, right. thing. And uh, in the interim, I stayed with my mom. I was had been staying with my mom for a while. And a letter came to me from Alice Walker, who I had written to. Okay. Um, because I was going to buy my daughter some shoes, and we heard her reading uh, excerpts from The Color Purple. So uh-huh. we pulled over to listen to her do this reading. So I sent her <laughs> a letter to uh, the publisher, and I just basically said, "Look, if they ever make a movie, ah. I will play. I don't. I will play the dust on the floor. That's right. how much I love this." And explained all this other stuff and centered, you know, things about me. And so I get to New York, and there's a letter waiting for me at my mom's house in a purple envelope. Nice and I, and I look, and it says Alice Walker. I'm like. Oh my god. Yeah. And I open it and she says, I guess you don't know I live in the Bay Area. I've seen all your profile- I already know you. Amazing. And I've sent your stuff to the people who are thinking about doing it. I was right. like Okay, cool. So So suddenly you're on Broadway, Alice Walker's yeah. saying, You're in yeah. the mix
0: for the movie. Yeah.
1: And and uh one day I'm walking down the street with the lady that's doing publicity for the show and she says, okay, I want you to understand that after today, after you open, you're not going to be able to do this anymore.
0: Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like,
1: is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. And I was like, "What do you mean?" She's like, "You're you're you're not going to be anonymous anymore." And I was like, "Okay." And
0: yeah. of course, she was kind of right. Right. Now how long does the show run on Broadway then? Several months. Right. Yeah. Eight, eight shows a week. Six shows a week. I
1: think it was. Ate a week. You did matinees. And, yeah. But I did two on Saturday. because mm-hmm. I'd do Saturday night. Right. <laughs> and right. two on Friday night. Right. So
0: I like doing that. Right. Yeah. And did it, was it the most excitement you'd ever had? Was it giddy making? Could you enjoy it in the moment? Well, I, d- yeah, because
1: I, so one day, <laughs> this is crazy. So one day, Mike says to me, Do you want to have lunch with my friends, Carl? Uh Paul and Steve. I was like, okay. All right. So we're going and we go into a restaurant and it's Carl Reiner. Uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Steve Martin oh. and Paul Simon. Sure. Yeah. And so I say to him, you know, I have friends' name. <laughs> <laughs> Paul and Steve too and Carl but you might have warned me right he said and risk you not responding the way I hoped you would it's like <laughs> so much fun so it was it was as it was as much like a hollywood movie as it could be
0: and is it like is it one of those broadway runs where that's what happens people are coming backstage every night yeah. and, and you're yeah. just going what the,
1: and uh, it's kind of uh, like uh, Oh, my God. Yeah. You know, I'm talking to Garson Kanan and Ruth Gordon, you know, about Born Yesterday, which he wrote. Right. And, you know, talking to Ruth Gordon about, you know, Thoroughly Modern Millie, uh, about uh, all of the things that she did in that musical, uh, you know, there's a whole scene in the movie where she dances to get the elevator to move. To me, that was genius and brilliant and fabulous. So I got to talk to them and got to talk to just about, you name them, I met them. And it was just really weird and fun. And Paul Simon said to my mom one day, make sure she enjoys this because... You get in the middle of it and you don't realize that you should be enjoying it. You should be having fun. And my mother said to me, Paul Simon said for me to tell you <laughs> that you should enjoy this. And I have the most fun. So you took that to heart. Yeah, because, listen, I'm from the projects. I'm not, to look, look. you know, you look at me and you think, well, you're not, You this shouldn't be happening to you. You don't look like you're just, you know, you're not you know, knockout. You're just kinda weird and strange. <laughs> and and it was true, you know, I I was uh I was not what anyone was expecting. Right. So everyone was kinda like, Oh, okay, this is kinda great.
0: And was your mom enjoying it too? Oh yeah, she's was had she was having a great time. Was she did oh, she yeah. come to the theater a lot?
1: I made her come to the theater all the time. Right, yeah. Right. You know, I said, Bring all those people that you really want to say and so much for you and invite and i yeah she said oh yes i bring in everybody yeah yeah and so you know i said where do you want to go what do you want to do and so because she worked her whole life you know um i wanted her to have some fun so of course once i made my first movie i was like could you come out here to california please Mm -hmm. and she did right so this
0: is all madly exciting, yeah. and then Steven Spielberg calls.
1: Yes, he says, "I can't get to New York to see the show. Can you bring it to uh, me and Amblin?" And well, I just said to him, "That's what he said. Can you bring it to Amblin?" I was like, "Sure." He said, "You know, I have a little theater here. Okay, that we're you know that we're going to be doing stuff with, and I'd love it to be you, and I'd love to see the show." So okay, and so I go and I meet him, and I think oh my god Steven Spielberg
0: because he's already a massive deal
1: he's already yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. all that yeah and so I say um, how did you hear about me he said well you know Alice Walker sent us all your stuff and I was like oh okay
0: did you know he was making a movie of the Color Purple? no oh, okay. I didn't know till he told me I see. that he was making
1: the movie I see so he says "And and you know I've heard such really interesting things about you that I would love to see the show I was like okay And so he shows me the theater, and it's really great. And the evening comes that I'm to do it, and I'm standing backstage and I'm looking through the little slit, you know, in the the curtain, and it's like, oh, wow, that's kind of, oh my God, that's Michael Jackson.
0: Oh, so he's filled the theater. And he's filled, yes, he's
1: filled this little theater with people, and now I'm sweating. Oh. So it's Ashford and Simpson is sitting there, Quincy Jones is there. There's just just all these people. And I think, well, the worst that can happen is I can't get through the show. Yeah. So I start the show and people are laughing, and now I'm okay. Okay. I'm okay. I'm in good space. I'm I'm comfortable. And before I left to go, I got an agent and a manager, and the manager says to me, Now you're going to do this thing for for Spielberg, do not, because there are pieces that I would do, just when I was bored with the pieces I was doing. Right. And one piece I used to do was called Blee B L E E T, right. Which was what would happen if E T landed in Oakland of the '70s, which was a whole different place. And so he says, don't do that. Right. Because you know He might be sensitive. It's, it's his baby. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I said, Okay, I'm not gonna do it. And so I do everything I was supposed to do. I do it and they say more. Oh. I said, Well <laughs> they said okay, so I do have another piece. I say, but
0: Is your uh, manager there? Is no, he at the back of the room jumping not, up and No, no, okay. no, he's
1: not there. And so I say I was told not to do this because it has to do with ET and landing in the Oakland of the '70s, and you know when phones, you know you, you couldn't get a a telephone that worked on the street, and blah, blah, blah. so I'm trying I'm trying to like soften the blow for yeah. him. And he says, now I have to see it. Yeah. So I <laughs> I do it for him.
0: And this is still this audience of Michael yes, Jackson yes, and yeah, Ashford and yes, so They're all sitting there. They're
1: all sitting there and i do this whole thing and it ends with you know et blasting his people coming to get him because the the truth of the matter is is you can we have to teach people that it's okay to assimilate without forgetting where they came from
0: okay
1: so that's what i explained to him at the end of the thing and they're standing up and applauding right and he says you need to come see me tomorrow so i say okay so he says, I, I would like to offer you this role in Color Purple. We're not doing it for a year. You're going to read about a lot of people saying that they're doing it, but I'm offering it to you. Wow. And it was a real eye-opener because, you know, I'd been to a zillion movies, had no idea how they made them. And right. in my mind now, I've erased all that stuff anyway because I suddenly understood how I thought right. they shot it in like a, like a play.
0: What you mean in sequence and yeah, right? And in a day, right?
1: <laughs> you know, she's like, mm,
0: no. So you'd never done anything like this, no, and suddenly no, you're the no. lead it's in a like, Steven Spielberg yeah. movie. It's like, really?
1: You want to put? You want to do? You want to give this to me? You are sure? He <laughs> was like, yeah. And the relationship that he and I developed was we're both movie fanatics. We love movies, mm-hmm. so if he needed something from me, he could. Name a film that I knew, and he could say, "You remember that moment just before Scout uh, reveals Boo Radley? Right. That right. that just that moment before?" And I'd say, "Yeah." He said, "That's the feel I want." I was like, "Okay," so I could understand that. So right. that's how he and I worked. And uh, he got from me a, a really good performance. I he thought, he did, yeah. You know, so I was very
0: lucky. I it's was quite very lucky. I, I watched it again recently, and it's quite a physical performance. Yes. And then, and and the bits I've seen of your Broadway show, you 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 have quite a you you merge yourself in physicality. Right? Yes. Is that something that you did very consciously, or is that just how you? Did it's it? just how
1: I work. Right. Yeah. You know, it's um because I in my mind I can see what it is you're requiring from me. I can see that person. So I have to then sort of make it work. Yeah. You know. So nowadays when I do my shows, uh I am not as physical as I was, but I'm not doing so much character work as I am talking about myself, uh-huh. you know, as person who's gotten older. Right. You know, and all of the kind of brain restructuring you have to do right? when you discover that you are, you look in the mirror, you see, you know, 25. Uh-huh. Other people go past you, they see 60. Right. And it's like, oh, oh, that's right. That's right. So you have to sort of work on it and you have to work that you're not the hottest thing in the room anymore. Right. But in a way you are because you can't stop sweating. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so that's, that's, you know... That's how I talk about, that's how I do my shows now because, you know, I don't want to talk politics. I don't need to talk politics. We all know where we're at. But I feel like the things I've discovered, the older I've gotten, are things I I have to speak about. Like Mm. a a woman uh, ran up to me and hugged me and I realized that somewhere in that hug, I heard and I thought, was that me? Did she just did she fart? Or was that me? Oh my god, that could have been, I think that was me, you know? And she she, hugged, a she hugged out of She hugged a fart out of me. And when you're in your 20s, that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> but you start getting to a certain age and things sort of loosen up so you you're like oh my god that just slipped out oh no you know <laughs> you know but you get away
0: with it of course because well, you're you're a movie star
1: well i tell people to know that that's in line for them too right. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't just me i say this is this is possibly happening to you as well and from the response i get yeah i know it's happening to other people yeah and so it becomes this kind of collective did you ever think yeah you know so you you explain you know when you you were younger all of your friends got together and and you each put a dollar in and you got a big ten dollar bag of crap weed Right. right And one person had to clean all the sticks and stones out of it, and somebody else had to sort of grind it up and make sure that you could do it, and somebody else had to roll it up, and it was communal. Uh And it was you and your friends doing something, and everybody knew you weren't getting in the car, because really, who could remember where it was, (laughs) you know? So... And people sort of reminding themselves of who they were then so that when you look at your kid and you say, why don't you pull up your pants? Why do you wear your pants so low? Or why is your skirt so... Short? It's like, excuse me, excuse me, if you're this in this age group, your, your shorts were shorter, your skirts yeah. were shorter. So just remember, you didn't listen, they're not going to listen. Stop sweating it. Yeah. You know, so that's what that's what I do now, right. and I have a great time when I do it.
0: You do know? you think you have contributed as a performer to the representation that there are of, uh, of black people now? And because when when I look when you when you Wikipedia you or mm-hmm. look you up on the internet, right. one of the first things that comes up is second black women ever to win an Academy Award. Right? Do you feel the pressure of of that politically, or do you just rejoice in that? Well, that you are part of that.
1: He- here's the thing.
0: I've been black the whole time. Sure. <laughs> you know,
1: right? So it's not yeah. like I could be something else. Yeah. So it just is what it is. Yeah, of course. Know? And so um, everything I do, someone's going to say, you know, she's a black woman. It's yeah. like, that's why I say to people, they say, how are I? I say still black. Yeah. You yeah. know, because it's like, yeah, you know, this is what I do. And so. I keep doing things out of the realm of what black people are supposed to be doing. Apparently, I, I don't know how that's you're possible. You are just doing what you do. I am doing what I do, yeah. you know. So, no, I don't feel the pressure for it. I don't feel like I have to represent anybody. I am just, I am, I am just here. Yeah, you
0: know. Is the story about Star Trek true that when you were a kid you saw Nichelle Nichols? And yes, it, and that was
1: well. I, I mean, you see this show, and if you are a movie buff. You suddenly think, oh, she looks really great. She's the communications officer on this starship. Mm. Are we in the future anywhere else? <laughs> and you start thinking, and you start thinking about all of the sci-fi. Yeah. And up until 63, we weren't represented in science fiction. We we were not in sci-fi movies. We weren't there. Right. So... That was the first clue that we would be in the future, right, you know, right. so when uh Lavar Burton told me he was doing the new Star Trek, I said, "Will you tell them i want to I want to be part of it because And I explained the whole thing about you yeah. know Lieutenant Horror. and so I don't see him for a couple of months, and then I see him, and I said, "Did you tell them?" He said, "Yeah, they didn't believe me." <laughs> I was like, "Do you have a number for somebody?" He said, "I can give you Gene Roddenberry's phone." I said, "Let's let me call, let's call Gene Roddenberry." Great. And so we called Gene, and and I said, "My name is Whoopi Goldberg. I would like to come in and explain to you why I want to be part of this." So they're like, "Okay." This is a big movie star. They're like, "Sure, sure, okay." So I come, and uh, he said, "So why do you want to do this?" I said, "Because." do you not know that before Lieutenant heard there were no black people in the future? He said, what, you, what? I said, I'm telling you, before this character, there is no representation of a person of color in the future. He says, I I can't believe that. And so we have more conversation, we have more talking about him, and about A week later, I get a call that says, can you come in and talk to me? So I say, yeah. So I go in and Gene says, you know what? I thought you were kidding. He said, but you're absolutely right. So I had no no idea that that was. I said, yeah. So I just want to, you know, be part of that thing that says, yes, we're going to continue to be in the future.
0: Mm.
1: I said, I can't do every show, but. I could do a lot of shows cuz I'm making these movies mm-hmm. and he was like, "And you really want to do this?" And I was like, "Yeah." So, I think I'm the last character that Gene actually wrote. Right. Yeah, right. Texas guy and he, right. he named yeah. her after and made her, you know, a sage, which is kind of great. Yeah. And for me, it was one of the best gigs ever because Star Trek was, to me, a a really meaningful show. Uh You know, people, you know, went as far as creating new languages. (laughs) Sure, (laughs) know, And you know, because you've seen folks at at the ComCons, you know this is serious business. Sci-fi is, you know, a huge thing. And until really Octavia Butler, I don't know that there were very many that I was aware of uh, science fiction writers. She's really the first that I'm aware of. I think that, yeah, Tavia right.
0: Um, Because you were a sci-fi fan generally. Oh, yes, yeah, since
1: I'm a little kid. Right. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I, I always felt like um, science fiction movies predicted the future. Uh-huh. They told you what was coming, you know, and to prepare for it, whether it was climate change, sure. Uh, whether it was... You know, hand computers yeah, or being able to move around in different dimensions, you know. And I believe all those things are probably happening. It's like Dolly the Sheep. Yeah. That sheep was yeah. old when we met her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Dolly was she – wa- she wasn't a newly cloned sheep. She'd been around for a while. This is very true. So I always feel like when they get around to telling you about something – they've already done it. It's right. been they're on to something else that they'll tell you in another 15 years or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So all of these things have been predicted. We we know this is coming. So I I can't wait to right. see. I don't know if I told you this last time yeah. how I wanted to be the first female Dr. Who yeah. and the American version uh-huh. of Dr. Who ends up in, you know, New York and is me. Right. You know, um because To me, we don't have a Doctor Who. We don't have that character who is traveling through dimension and time and really sort of being an observer, sometimes a hindrance, sometimes a help. And I just – the idea of that just so made me happy. Mm. But they were like, "Um, no. I was like, okay,
0: I'm I'm cool. I understand. Well, you could presumably go back to Star Trek now. Patrick Stewart's back outside.
1: I know, but, you
0: know – they have not asked me. Maybe you need to ask them again. They probably would think you're kidding. Well, I don't know. Maybe I will. I'll put it out there. Well, this could be it. Let's put it. We're putting it out there. All right, right we're now. putting it out there right yeah. now. Because it, they probably didn't believe you back then because you were you were a big movie star, and that was before movie stars went back and forth mm-hmm. on TV. But yeah. you've always been quite relaxed about that, right? Yeah. I mean, listen, a job's a job, right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> you know, I feel like. If you want to do interesting stuff, you should be able to do it in both mediums and all mediums, you yeah. know. So I try, I love the stage, I love television, I love movies. And, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a career as I have, you can do everything, mm. you know. And so for me, it's, it's kind of heavenly.
0: So you're living back in New York these days. Yeah. Yeah. And you're now a great grandmother. Yeah. Are you a good granny? I'm an adequate granny. Okay, I'm
1: <laughs> an adequate granny, but I'm a great grandmother. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like this. She's four, so I like her. Right. She and I are pretty much in the same mindset.
0: Uh-huh. You know, is it easier to be a great granny than a granny?
1: No, all of it's uh, all of it is requires you spend time with them.
0: Okay, yeah,
1: <laughs> you yeah. Know, so you have to do it no matter what. Right. Um, it is easier when it is not a child that you have to keep (laughs)
0: when you can give them back it's kind of
1: wonderful do they all
0: live in New York they all live near you
1: no my grandson lives in California with his mom and dad Uh, my daughter lives in California and his big sister and her man and their baby live at my house Okay, along with his middle uh, the middle sister who uh, is 22 and you know one's is designing clothes and right. really smart and doing stuff and so we all hang out together.
0: And are you the matriarch of the family?
1: Apparently so. Right. Yeah. Do, does that feel good? Do you like that? No, I don't like that. No. You know, I had a I had a big brother. I and see. he for me, I, you know, you have a big brother, you just figure they're going to be there always yeah. and and uh, it didn't turn out to be the case and so we lost our mom about 8 years ago and then um, I lost him 2 years ago to an aneurysm. So oh. if aneurysms run in your family or someone in your family's had one, go get yourself checked.
0: Is that something you can you can rule out? Uh,
1: you can you can if if someone you know uh, has an aneurysm, uh-huh. you and it's family member, you should get yourself checked just to make sure you're not Okay. You don't have
0: one. Yeah.
1: Um, and is it possible that my brother Had we realized that, maybe, but my brother also would never have gone to the doctor. Right. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. He's just, that just wasn't his thing. Yeah. So, but... uh, Am I right in saying that you once worked as a mortuary cosmetologist? mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did that give you a sense of mortality? Yeah. What did the what would that actually involve?
1: Well, you had to do makeup and hair on people. Right. Uh, You had to drain, you had to do all the stuff you do. Okay. You know, and... uh, you realize that at some point we all become just empty vessels,
0: Mm.
1: you know. So, but you don't, you never want to, you always know it's going to happen, but you don't really want it to happen right there to you. Sure. Because, you know, luckily for me, there were never things that I hadn't said to them, to my mom and my brother, you know. So you must always make sure that you're, you know, you're connected you say the things you need to say, you yeah. know, so that... Because you never know, mm. you know. So you want to always make sure that uh, people know how you feel about them.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And is that, is that something since your mom has gone, is that something you're very on oh, with, your, with your own kids and with your ever-expanding oh, yeah. family? Yeah,
1: yeah. I tell them all the time, right. you know. Yeah. And... uh they're like, we know. I was like, no, you don't. <laughs> but I'm telling you, and I know I tell you all the time, but you should know. And they tell me, I said, because you, you know, life is funny that way. Yeah. So you, you don't want to be the person going, I wish I had said. You know, make sure you say the things that you want to say. Yeah. And you're saying them for you. You know, you're saying them because you need to say it. Mm. You know, and you don't know how somebody's gonna receive it. Mm. But you wanna you need to say it for you. Mm. It's weird. I'm weird that way. I think
0: it's lovely though. I think yes. it's something that we all need to do.
1: I think so. I think so. Saves saves wear and tear later on.
0: Sure. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful place to leave it, Whoopi. Me too. Thank, thank you. you very much for being here.
1: Well, thank you for letting me hang with you.
0: <laughs> it was my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> David Tennant does a podcast with is a Something Else and No Mystery production. Produced and edited by James Deacon. Additional production from Chris Skinner, Steve Ackerman, Sarah Camlet, Josh Gibbs, Rose Zimler-Jarvis and Georgia Tennant. With support in the US from Paul Ruist and Tom Koenig. Next time. I start chucking up halfway through this. You'll know why? Oh. It will be one of my boring stories. <laughs> Just faking being ill is so You odd. don't have boring stories. Oh, I have boring stories. Also from something else. How did we
1: get here? With Claudia Winkleman and Professor Tonya Byron. In these in-depth one-on-one therapy sessions, we dig deep into personal stories with fascinating and emotional revelations. A passionate, insightful and moving experience with clear outcomes to each episode. He is as anxious
0: about attachment with you as you are with him. Oh wow. Oh wow, that's crazy isn't it? Oh that's a weird feeling. Wait, so... Oh god. It's... Don't you just feel like, whoa, why didn't I know that all along? Listen now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps. Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.